how should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway today to get access to our BSB, our Discord, and much more. Support the show for the price of a beer or a coffee. It's much appreciated. It's how we keep the show going. The return of Gregory Kaplan on today's show. We are the NHL All-Star break. We are also talking about the Buffalo Sabres and their push to the playoffs. Uh, boy. Boy, oh boy. And the Islanders, by the way. They made a trade for Bo Horvat. So we'll talk about all that and more. But before that, here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my returning co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, welcome back. Oh, what a world. Thrilled, I can tell. Uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> you, you forget how, what you miss about normalcy until you don't have it anymore. Let me put it that way. It is true. It is true. Uh, speaking of which, the Rangers had a very normal Friday night, in case you were wondering. Mm. Um, they... Can we just get those kids out of the way, right? With the with the NYR PR incident, of course. Oh God, I, I, I just, it's amazing how how many times do we have to go through it with this team, where like there is a very clear thing they could do that would just make their lives so much easier, and they refuse every they time. They refuse to do the right thing. Every oh, it, it's <laughs> all right. Well, let's let let's break this down from the beginning because I. I well, do, we can I, go way back because I think it's uh, setting our uh, listen. Myrpr. We've tried to be super nice to them forever. We I play nice all the time. They're cool people. Yeah. Honestly, they they respond to everything. They tell me no in a nice fashion. It's all good. There there was but, one guy we specifically did not like, and he did not like us. And John Rosasco doesn't work there anymore. So yeah, can, that's fine. We can, we can yeah. name drop. I don't care. That's fine. Uh, I fuck him. But let's. <laughs> I, I I do want to talk about just the the noise surrounding it. I I I didn't like parts of it. And first, I, let, let's be completely clear. The Rangers are in the wrong. And whatever, whatever the reasoning is for the decision they made, they went about it horrendously. And it seems like they thought that the, the, the metaphorical you, the you, the me, the everybody, just like wouldn't notice. Which was something. the craziest thing. Yeah. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? It, it, they have Okay, so the NHL came out and said, there was no mandate by the league to do this because it did happen in Carolina too, which is my initial response was just that. Well, now it did come out that some Canes had pride tape on their sticks. Um, I don't know if the Hurricanes have worn jerseys in the past. That that is sure. something that I sure I, I should have done more deep diving on to know if they have, but. but I believe one of the I can tell you that most of this team on one of the things I hate about most about this outcome of where we are currently is that there became sort of this um, a witch hunt? hunt call it a witch hunt it's that, a witch hunt yeah, yeah it, to to find which players would be against this yeah that's the that's, part that really does not stunk. sit right with me Gregory <laughs> no it, that, that one stunk out loud I saw that Igor was getting a lot of it because yeah because he was making scratched. the connection 
Well, yeah. it wasn't scratched so much as that. Rested I believe him. he too has like a really deep Russian Orthodox uh, background that Provorov cited as his reason for why he didn't want to wear it's the just, jersey. That's just not fair. But and again, also Igor wore the jersey last year, so I don't know. All of a sudden, and, that and Igor the year was before, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like he's religious one year, he's not religious this year. I again, I I, I want to emphasize that. The, the people that were most undone by all of this were not the individual players of the New York Rangers. They make enough money. They can eat this shit. They will be fine. Uh, it is definitely the community, LGBTQ plus community, that got absolutely railroaded by the New York Rangers. It's, it's to a point where I, I, a couple of people tweeted this, and I tend to agree with them. It's like, if, if you cannot handle the responsibility that comes with hosting a night like this and doing it, properly don't do it don't do it and for, <laughs> the thing that i think don't. makes it most frustrating is the new york rangers have done such a good job with pride night up until this point i know and everything else still happened and they were like okay let's just avoid the controversy by not wearing the jerseys we just don't yeah, want to be we don't want to be on the news we don't want to be in the news again literally literally made it worse and then it's not just like i know it's not just that they didn't wear the pride jerseys they decided to wear jerseys that they only have one win in in seven games this year That's going into it. that game so then like <laughs> You're just pissing off every portion of the fan base. And from where we sit, from, from, from what we know, from what we can tell, it sure does feel like this decision came from Jay comma Dolan. Like it, it's, I actually don't even know if it did to me. It seems like they're just trying to prevent a situation from happening. And and then they, they, but they they, 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 they didn't realize, Oh my God, we did it to ourselves again. Only because, because Greg, we've done this so many times. I know. Miller, like there's a million examples of this. I just, the thing that makes me, again, it's not like, it's not like Dolan all of a sudden found his conservativeness this year because he's had so many of these pride nights before and they've been huge successes. So it would be weird that, all of a sudden, Dolan's like, fuck it, no, I'm not doing I, it anymore. At the same time... I'm not here to defend defend NYR in this situation. No, I, and I'm here really, to tell you that they're not, like, anti all these causes. They're they're pro-money. Yeah, they're, they're really... <laughs> That's what they They are. made a really horrible decision that they thought would just go away and therefore created this clusterfuck. The thing that does make Correct. me think Dolan is... They, Dolan made so many headlines... The days leading up to this I game. I know. So, like, it's it's hard for me to sit here and be like, so Dolan threatened to take away alcohol and was defending his facial recognition software in the most ridiculous way. Did you did you see the quote about facial recognition from Dolan? I didn't he, see the full quote. His The quote is essentially everything in life is facial recognition. And then he said... Did you see me walk into this room? Did you recognize me? Boom, that's facial recognition. And I'm just like, what? Mm, James, <laughs> James, a little different, my friend. I, I got, I mean, you don't have to hand it to him. But at the same time, there's a certain level of stupidity that you just have to applaud sometimes. Well, Dolan is, he's a, he is himself. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. He's a top 10 owner in hockey, and it's not close. Uh, he's, he's a guy, for sure. But yeah, it's, the Rangers, it, it's and then the statement they put out, which was just okay. A collection the statement of words. is actually the worst part of everything they did. No, that's not true. That's the not true. Ra- rail- it, railroading an entire community was the worst part. There, yeah. This, this, but the statement, it's like in terms of right. a PR move. <laughs> well, because it's like, not even a statement, Ryan. It, like as someone that has to have put out statements on behalf of people before, it's like I, I understand that you don't want to say anything. I get that, but like the way the Rangers said nothing about this. It was impressive. 
that is those are just letters no, that make they, words they said that more we than put they together said nothing. as a sentence. They put the blame on, hey, maybe one of our players wasn't going to be pro this, and we support them. Uh, which is, hey, go find out which player you think did this. <laughs> like that's that is totally wrong. I, I just I I see I, I I did see the people reading it as if they was putting blame on the players. I read it as that's literally just a collection of words that says we're sorry you were offended is essentially what that statement said. And I, I don't know it. And again, it, the most impressive part about this is New York Rangers found a way to find this fuck up that they did during a stretch in which they're not going to have a game for eight days. I know it's the only thing we're going to talk about for the whole time. It's, it's just like wha- unbelievable. It's impressive. Cause like, I want to talk about, I, I, you know what I want to open this show with is the kids. Seven minutes Cause they're really good. Yeah. Like, I want to talk about Philip Heedle. Like yeah, really bad, really yeah, bad, I, but that I, deserves its own, its own segment. Cause the NYR can help themselves. It's remarkable. I, I, I really can't think of another word to say it. Like I, I'm not saying it as if like I, I, I'm giving them credit or anything. It's just like, that level of fuck up, you do have to take a step back and be like, Jesus Christ, did nobody teach you anything from any of the lessons that you learned? If, like, uh, it's- I will say this as kind of my final thought on it. If you haven't, and I, I somehow reference Vince Mercogliano every week on this show now, but if you haven't read his article talking about this situation, it's it's you it's must read in terms of uh, of what's going on because he talks about you know we all live in these communities and work with people that always aren't going to share our beliefs and that's totally fine it's kind of a sham to do this when they're not uh, really supporting of the cause in the first place but that opens up conversations that so you can have and have progressive conversations in society so guess what you can make progress towards something greater or better something something more where there's not hate being spewed awesome we can do that but the rangers just can't get out of their own way and that's one big part of it so go read vince's article it's it's a masterpiece yeah and i again there are a lot of moments where i you know we have personal relationships with vince and molly um but it it is one of that night is one of the moments where you take a step back and you're you kind of and colin too where you're thankful that these guys are on your beat and they 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 understand they get it they're anybody they who's giving that, them like, crap like they a, don't ask tough questions i hate that I hate that. You know how hard it is to work with Gerard Gallant who lies to your face? <laughs> yeah, and it's also, it's just like, I think we forget that these guys are what? They have 140 of these kind of press conferences they do. There are only so many ways you could ask the question of something like, I'm, I'm not picking on Rob because we love Rob Luker as well, but there are only so many ways for you to ask the, how do you use analytics in your determination of who gets ice time? Like, there are only seven ways for you to ask that question. You ask this question enough you're eventually going to have to ask it the same way again. And I, I'd rather Vince ask the same question every day when it's the question I have, as opposed to Vince just picking a different topic because it at least would sound different. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think a big thing you and I will talk about from now until the end of the season is why Vitaly Kravtsov doesn't have as many opportunities with this team. And Vince is going to ask that question a lot better and and more easily in ways where it doesn't feel like Galant's being attacked. Like the only reason you ask the analytical question is why uh, Jake Lachezen is in the lineup and Vitaly Kravtsov isn't. But as opposed to Vince blatantly asking that, pissing off the coach and realizing the rest of his season is going to be miserable, he's got to think of ways to ask it where he doesn't do that. Whereas I would just be fucking asking the question and being a prick. And you want to know what Galant would say to me every time? Shut the fuck up. He might even, but maybe even by the eighth time, he'd be like, "God damn it! What the fuck is your problem? Isn't it the Sabbath? 
can't you be in Temple? Like, I think I would piss him off a point where he might get a little bigoted at me. But, like, these guys, I, I don't know. It, it, there are only so many ways to go about it, Ryan. There is only so many ways to go about it, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, Phil Heedle. Yeah, Philip Heedle. Uh, more goals than Jack Eichel. But maybe the hottest New York Ranger forward right now, not even close. Just has become a bona fide 2C. The kids and the children. Uh, we, if you want to listen to OT and talk about the, the Toronto game, you can go listen to that. Greg and I did uh, 30 minutes on that last week as well. But the kids were the best line two games in a row. It seems like they're they're buzzing in ways that we haven't seen since last year's playoffs. It all starts with Philip Heedle. Lafreniere is gaining his confidence back. Capococco is the best right winger on the team, and they play third-line minutes. And uh, I don't even know where to go from here. How to ask a question to Gerard Gallant that says, have you considered maybe moving Vincent Trocek down and trying Philip Heedle, who's gotten no power play time at all at that spot? Have you considered that? Well, and how do we move forward in this situation where we can somehow find a way to bridge Philip Heedle in the offseason because he is now a key and essential player to your team moving forward? Yeah, first and foremost, congratulations to us. Uh, we spurned this season because neither of us chose Phil Heedle on our great Hanks team. Um, so that was on us. He was job by little... us. We, we provided the chip on his shoulder for him to thrive. This is us. We're taking full responsibility. To, to be fair to us as well, we did say he'd be most likely to be traded. Uh-huh. And uh, we were big on he's going to be a 2C this year. Please do not sign anybody else. Sure. I, I believe the name Paul Stasny is a name a lot of people will continue to hear back and hearken towards. Now, um, it's really hard sometimes, Ryan, because you reflect back. And the Rangers went 9-2-2 two two in the month of January. and there pretty, are, pretty good, by the way. Pretty good. Pretty fucking good. Um, they seem firmly entrenched and in control of their own destiny. It would be a surprise at this point if the New York Rangers did not make the playoffs, which is not something you could have said as recently as Christmas. So it, it's, yes, there's a portion of the Rangers As of this base, recording, it's yes. important to say we have three games in hand. Sure do. On the Capitals, and we are four points up. Yeah, and I think our point percentage is something like 633, and theirs is like 558. So it's if the Rangers just simply play to the percentages, they will continue to be a playoff team. Anyway, there is a portion of the fan base where when things are going well, you cannot criticize because things are going well. And if the, it's like the causation equals the correlation. So it's working, shut up, don't complain. But there is a moment that I think is just a perfect, absolute, Bold lettering in ink explainer for Gerard Gallant. It was um, it was late in the third period. I believe the Rangers were up 3-1 already. And we've seen Gallant at different times award, quote-unquote, like power play time to a line he thinks has played really well. Um, the Rangers drew a penalty. Specifically, Artemi Panarin drew a penalty. But Panarin and Zibanejad took a long offensive zone shift that drew a penalty um, before the puck was stopped. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I cannot think of a more natural time than to give power play to the first full minute here. The Rangers have a two-goal lead. It is late in the game. Zibanejad and Panarin were just out on the ice for over a minute. So you could at least say, even if you're not trying to reward Boys to men for as well as they played. And they played well enough where they deserved their just desserts in that moment. But even if you didn't want to make it look like you were awarding the kids, you could simply do it from a logical standpoint where 
the two veterans that are largely in charge of my top power play have been on the ice for a long time. I can get them off the ice. I can get power play two on there and we can see what power play two does with a little bit of an extended look. And what does Gallant do? Just rushes power play one out there. And it just, there was another moment earlier in the Vegas game when power play one couldn't control the puck deep in their own zone. Fox went off because he believed that the line had, was going to shift out with over a minute left on the power play. They were struggling to control the puck. Fox leaves the ice. Nobody else does. So all of a sudden it's just Keandre Miller and four tired forwards who had been struggling to that point, and the kids don't get on the ice until about the 30-second mark of the power play. These are just moments that are just really frustrating from a... I, I, I'm not even... I, right? I'm not asking for anything over the top. I'm literally just using logic in terms of power play one has continued to struggle. Power play... Two elements of power play one were just on the ice for a really long time. You already have the two-goal lead, which, by the way, has largely been created by the children... So why not give power play to the minute it deserves with a man advantage in an offensive zone faceoff? And a glance like, no, I don't feel like it. And it's, it, I don't know. I don't have another point on top of that. It's just that to me was such a clear moment in this hockey game that I think encapsulates everything we're frustrated about with Gerard Gallant that I understand the Rangers won the game four to one. I understand they looked much the better team. I understand it's two points against a Western Conference team that is struggling but will be a playoff team. I understand all that. And I get that there will be people out there being like, Greg, shut up. We won the game. But it's like, Yobbs won the game. It's like passing the class instead of getting an A. You know what I mean? Well, it's like with Toronto. It's like you get the point. That's great. Awesome. You also had the chance to win the game and put it away a million times. And somehow, some way, you... I, and I, Vince tried to, uh, again, I'm quoting Vince like for the millionth time, came out and said that the kids did play down the stretch in the last eight minutes. Like they had a shift at 3.30, whatever. But you and I know watching the game, they they just weren't put in the best position to to thrive when they, I believe they were the best team on the, uh, on the ice that night and had the ability to change and, and turn that game. And then they didn't get the chance to play overtime. There was no meritocracy. And those are just the small things you ask for. It's like, this was the best line this game. I understand that Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Adam Fox are the best players on this team. I'm not going to question that. You're right, Gerard Gallant. You, those, are your, those are your veterans. Those are the people you have to lean on. But there are times where you have to coach with feel and go with, who's helping me right now? Who's creating the most for me right now? And the kids were doing that all the entire Toronto game. They were awesome. They were the only line clicking, and they just weren't rewarded in any single way. And that's exactly what you're talking about with the Vegas game. Where it's just like, okay, they're doing it again. Maybe this is a time where I know, I know what I have Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. I'm totally okay with that. I know who these people are as players. I don't need to develop them. They are at the peak of their powers. Their ceiling is there. Why don't we just give a little confidence to the line that's really carrying my ass right now? And that's just not what happens. So it is, <sighs> it is hard to come on here and complain because the Raiders have been good. But I can do it. Trust me, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it's. The complaint isn't even like the the word I'll stick with you there is rewarding them. It's it's like I don't even see it as rewarding them as I see it as just like logical coaching. Why wouldn't you want to continue to roll out the thing that is working best? And it's like again, like you like you said, I'm not here saying Phil Heedle's better than Mika Zibanejad. I'm not here saying Capocaco's better than Artemi Panarin. I'm not here saying I'd rather see Alexi Lafreniere 
on the ice over Adam Fox. I'm simply saying that in the moment, I would hope my coach is nuanced enough to know what is working and what isn't and would lean on the thing that is over the thing that isn't. There will be plenty games, especially come playoff time, where Mika Zibanejad is going to be superhuman and in fuego. There are going to be plenty times where Adam Fox is going to have to play 40 minutes a night because he is dominating and controlling play. And there are going to be plenty of times where I need Artemi Panarin to, in his own words, do stupid shit at the blue line. Those opportunities will exist. What I'm asking from my coach at this point in time is for him to recognize that there are three players on this team playing their best hockey, all while his more reliable, quote-unquote, steady hands are going through a little bit of a lull. And instead of force-feeding the players that are struggling with time that is not being used properly for them, I just want my coach to recognize who is playing well in the moment and feeding them the minutes. Like That, that feels so basic that it, it, it almost, to me, doesn't sound like a complaint. I'm merely asking my coach to coach. Before we get to five-star questions, I do want to talk about this Bo Horvat. Tra- oh, fuck. I do want to talk about this Ben Harper expansion. <laughs> extension oh, for two years. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't, that was what, on my agenda. I didn't realize. Um, yeah, we got not so that ben, I had ben, ben Harper pre-Bo Horvat, I'm guessing? Yeah. Um, boy, I, that's a contract. That's, <laughs> I, think that, that's, that's, I think that's all I have. Oh, well... <laughs> Here's, it's like it's not bar- it's one way so it's not variable but yeah it is variable it's i mean anything below 1.15 million is variable okay the the, the one way two way thing it, NHL franchise the EA sports franchise is fucked up the way people understand one way two way two way just means a player earns x in the NHL and earns y in the AHL it has nothing to do with waivers has nothing like that if the New York Rangers if they are okay paying Bo, uh, Ben Harper $780,000 either in New York or in Hartford. That's just what they're going to pay him. But that money falls below the threshold where if the Rangers send him to the AHL, they are not responsible salary cap wise for a dime. So it's 1000% variable. Okay. Um, That's great news. Yes. Now the people who are saying, um, I can't complain about this contract because if this is the guy, the Rangers want as their depth, it's Ben Harper is fine as your seventh defenseman. Sure, in a vacuum, I have no evidence to suggest the Rangers view him as just a seventh defenseman. He's a great guy. I mean, he's a great guy. Great locker room guy. But, like, we can all sit here and agree, but also, for the most part, <laughs> that the New York Rangers need a better player than Ben Harper in their 6-D every night. They need someone that clears the Ben Harper floor. We can say that as much as we want. We can believe that as much as they want. I think that's opinion. that's an opinion a lot of people seem to not have a problem with the line to me is again we don't really have evidence to suggest the rangers see a problem with why playing ben harper is less than ideal we've talked about it on the show and we don't need to get into it because we'll talk about it later in the season as well but if one injury occurs on the left side we are in a devastation mode that but, is not, sure. but again not not just that yes if the if lindgren goes down we are just fucked like there is that's a level of fucked that only Pedro Pascal can perform on television. That's how fucked that level of devastation would be for the New York Rangers. But I'm simply talking about the, say, sunshine and roses here, Ryan, that Ryan Lindgren somehow doesn't get injured at any point the rest of this season. 
you and I would say that Ben Harper should not be the Rangers' bottom-pairing left-handed defenseman because he's not good enough. What I'm saying is, I don't know if the Rangers share that opinion. I'm not sure they do either, and I think that's as much as we need to say about this for right now. Yeah, it, 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 it might not be a problem to you now in January, but I promise you, come whatever vibe check we do before Game 4 of whatever pivotal playoff series we are going to be covering, you're going to have a Ben Harper issue. I can fucking guarantee that. Bo Horvat has been traded to sure the has. New York Islanders for Aturati, for Bouvillier, and a first-round pick that is top 12 protected. It will roll over and become unprotected in 2024. Uh, okay, first off, let's let's do this. Bo Horvat is a good player. Good. We all agree. Great. He's 29. Awesome. The Islanders are not firmly in a playoff spot at all. Okay, we agree. Uh, Dom Lucician has posted that trading for Bo Horvat has bumped the Islanders' chances of making the playoffs from 14% to 19%. That wow. is not a, a 5% player. That is not a significant upgrade in terms of making uh, making a, uh, the playoffs. And on top of that, supposedly the rumor is that there is an extension in place. I'd be shocked if there wasn't. I'd like to also mention once again that Bo Horvat is almost 30, and if mm. they were signing him for seven years, they were signing a man until he's 37. Mm. Uh, boy, I, I don't think they gave up a ton for Bo Horvat. I do think that contract, whatever they give him, is going to haunt them very quickly. Right now, in the next two years, Bo Horvat is very, a very suitable and good player. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the longevity of what this Islander team can do, and if they can get back to their Eastern Conference final state, boy, I just don't see it at all. I mean, you just... Do you... Are you... Like, Let's break the trade down in the most basic human way possible. Are you more afraid of the Islanders today than you were yesterday? Well, I won't even know because we don't play them because of the stupid schedule. <laughs> but um, it's like, in your estimation, like, did the Islanders get better today? My answer is no. Yeah. They, I, from a Rangers perspective, I, I mean, I've been in love with Beauvillier since God knows when. I know Fitz leads that bandwagon, but I've been a very content passenger for a very long time. I, I think Atu Rati is a very good prospect. I'm happy the Islanders have one less good prospect. And I also think very nice that the Islanders pick is top 12 protected. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And I think they're going to be one of the first teams on the outside looking in, which means that pick this year is probably going to be 14th or 15th in what's supposed to be an incredible draft. So you're telling well, me if the they, Islanders... Even if they fall further and then it rolls over, that's where the fun begins. I... I don't know because I, I don't know that I think that seeing that trade, it felt like to me, the Islanders gave up a ton without getting better. It really did feel like a, like a sideways move where the only thing they gave up is probably future cap flexibility. I don't think it was a ton, but I think it was enough to be like, this team doesn't really have a development system to bring anybody up in the next couple of years. At I don't all. think they and want they're not going to add to it yet again. Yeah, I don't think they want one either, though. Like, I, I just think about it. they traded a, a top ten pick for Romanov, right? Like they they, they don't did. they don't give maybe not a top ten pick, but definitely top fifteen. They did almost give or try to trade for JT Miller and give a similar contract. So you know whatever you know they're going to give to Bo. You know what's crazy about this? I would this trade would put the fear of death in me if Barry Trotz was still their coach. 
I mean, same. Sorry, I was yawning. I mean, exactly. It's just this this Islander team doesn't have the juice that those other teams. No, did. and I and a lot I of that was think, trots. I don't think Lane Lambert's very good. Like I, 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 this is this is a quintessential Lou move. I think we can agree. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the I don't think Bo Horvat's that guy. But then again, I had that opinion when once upon a time the Rangers were in. Bo Horvat potential trade scenarios with involving Buchnevich. And I was like, I just don't think Horvat is that dude. I, I I think he was a dude on a Canadian team who wore a C, so the media talked about him in a way that made us supposed to feel like he was legit. I just don't think he's that dude. I really don't. All right, let's do some five-star questions, and we'll get our interview. We are talking about the Buffalo Sabres today with the Buffalo News. It's actually a pretty fun conversation because the Buffalo team, it's a, it's a good story right now. So mm-hmm. this is from Bretley. If Key is an all-star next year, oh, by the way, if you want to leave one of these, you know what to do. Join our Patreon, join our Discord, five-star questions channel. We read them on the show. Bretley, if Key is an all-star next year, was this collusion to keep his price down? Because there's no way Panarin and Fox would have been in the fan vote, van, fan vote based on the data. Ah, I see. The the Twitter data. Uh, I think the NHL told people that they could vote on Twitter and lied. Yeah, yeah. I I would agree. I think the way they counted it was they had an intern scroll and be like, see, scroll through Twitter and see which players pop up. And then pick the good ones. No, I don't even think... I, I think you're giving them too much credit. I think they picked the players they wanted to send and they just made sure fans tweeted about the NHL for a while there and had no intention of even checking to see what the replies were saying. Because, I listen, I, I saw that one person who did accumulate it, and I don't know how Martin Natchez had as many fucking tweets as he had, but even if that was... I know from a Ranger perspective, the only person I saw people tweeting about was Keandre Miller. That's it. I never saw one mention of Panarin or Fox. I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually... I, I'm pretty active on Ranger Twitter. Shocker. What? And... I know, and I didn't see anything for Panarin or Fox, not one time. Not a one. I, I saw a I saw more of... Lieber Hayek. For well, yeah, well, that was because you were doing it. Yeah, that was my bad. All right, this is from Smooth. Why did we draft Kraftsoff to begin with? I'm not saying he's not a good player. He is. But his style of play has never been the kind that the Rangers organization generally likes seeing from forward prospects, i.e. he's never a physical player. He was ninth overall in a really strong draft. Just took a look at the top 20 of the draft. Were there other options that would fit our preference or criteria better? He doesn't have an excuse that Lafreniere or Kako have being a consensus pick. Do you really think we could change everything about how the player plays his game and still have him succeed? You have to also, uh, there's a couple things to put in context at this time. Jeff Gordon was a different kind of drafter than Chris Drury or whatever's happening right now. Gordon does like skill, believe it or not. He is a, he's a, he's a skill drafter. We... Uh, we're at that draft and did not believe Kravtsov was the pick. People we liked said Kravtsov wasn't the pick. We were rooting for a player that is now on the Islanders. It's funny and, because Wallstrom actually plays a way I think Gallant would fucking love. Uh, yeah, Wallstrom is like a perfect Gallant player. Um, and Kravtsov just isn't that, unfortunately. So uh, the reason why we drafted him to begin with is because we believed he, first of all there's a little bit of recency bias he had an amazing playoffs at such a young age and that does happen in every single draft ever some player goes goes off in some tournament the scouts are there they go this is a kid is i like the upside and that's what Kravtsov was well but no, it doesn't mean think, he was the wrong pick i don't know Kravtsov's Kravtsov had a big d plus one year Kravtsov 
Kravtsov's I believe he came up to the year, KHL that, that year right before and had a great playoffs. I, but the year, the year after the Rangers immediately took Kravtsov was the year everyone was like, holy shit, what is this that the Rangers found that's doing all these things on this really shitty KHL team, but he's just dominating in a men's league. I, I thought it was the D plus one year that everyone got. The, I, I think the Drew Ways of the world were saying he did these fun things in like the VHL or whatever the fucking shit. But it was his D plus one year where he became this phenomenon, essentially. Um, and then everything that happened thereafter. I I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know Ryan and I firmly believe in any draft, not just the NHL draft. Any draft. It's best player available. If you are drafting for team fit, team style, team need, you should just trade your draft picks and use that draft pick to acquire a player who is already established and does the style, the fit, the need that you have. If you're keeping the draft pick, just take the best player available because you can trade him at any time. And his stock, for the most part, will likely only rise. Um, and again, it's not like it's not like the Rangers haven't had success at this. I know everyone likes to poke at Leas and Kravtsov, but again, they don't take Heedle unless they took what they thought was the safe pick in Leas Anderson. They also trade to get Keandre Miller. They they traded uh, up to get Miller. They kept the pick to take a high ce- high ceiling player in Lundqvist. Drury um, and Fra- oh John Davidson. This was Davidson actually traded up to get Schneider. Right. They they were worried the Devils were going to take Schneider, so they leapfrogged. And, and, and they the were Devils. Like the Rangers, we shit on them. Their their ability to identify talent is pretty good. It's everything that happens once we have fingers on them that seems to be a fucking clusterfuck. Agreed. Um, but I, I, I mean, in the room when the Rangers took Kravtsov, we were big Wallstrom guys, and it it so works out. I mean, Wallstrom hasn't come close to reaching the ceiling that we had for Wallstrom at the time, but he is a perfect middle six player for a Gerard Gallant lineup. It just so happens that in that moment we have no fucking idea that we are going to be in this situation when it happens. Um, I can't. I listen. I can't blame the Rangers for taking Kravtsov. I think Kravtsov can help this team right now. My I do too. With, my problem with Kravtsov has everything to do with the coach. Like it's Kravtsov is so clearly someone who should be in this lineup. I said this on the playback I did on Friday. It's not even that you don't think Kravtsov is a bottom six player. It's that if you're Gerard Gallant and you are continuing to blend your lines on a nightly basis where you are moving people up and down your lineup constantly – then it shouldn't fucking matter if you start Kravtsov for his first five shifts on a fourth line if you are so uncomfortable with who is playing in your top six that you are going to move someone up in your lineup. So why not put the highly talented winger in your lineup knowing that he's probably going to get a chance later in the game to play more meaningful minutes? Like it's... I, I don't know. I just... So, I can't be... I can so only crazy. be so frustrated about a man so many times on one night. Uh, this is from PJ Smith. One is the losing record in OT indicative of bigger problems. I don't think so. I don't think so. OT like three v three hockey is just it's crapshoot sometimes. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's, it's not actual hockey. It's not real hockey. It's an all star game. Dan from LI, can they fire Gallant now, please? I will tell you that he will not be a coach next year. Uh, what would you? From, how much money would you put on that? Uh, I'm not a gambling man, but I think. Uh, like, what do you think the odds are? You think, think Galant Galant to be <laughs> Galant to be the coach next year? You think it's three to one, plus three hundred? I would I would bet plus three hundred. 
that I he, right you know, now. that he is the coach. So the the odds of him not being I, the coach. I think right now, just similar to like presidential elections, whoever like is the party leader or whatever, like so Biden would be like uh, a favorite just because he's already in already in so he'd probably be negative i i would say galan is probably like minus 115 120 something like that mm. but but my personal ranking is like plus 500 <laughs> like something like that five to one i wouldn't mm. i don't think he's going to be coach i think he's sour I'd be, I'd be surprised i'd be surprised too they'd have to win the cup they have to win the cup even That's then the only they, way. It wouldn't it be the first time the rangers have fired a coach after winning a cup yes uh jay white 180.11. On the scale of 1 to 10, how much do you trust Drury to make the right decisions? I'm 7 on trades and 3 on giving out contracts. I, I, I'm i going to surprise you here. I think I'm like 8 or 9 on trades now. And I'm actually still on around like 6 or 7 on contracts. I, I can see why he did the Trocheck thing. It all makes sense, by the way. He sees it as a 3-year window. He's trying to win now. His kids are cheap. He's trying to push. He tried to add a, one of the best players he thought was available. I get it. Do I like the contract? I don't. But everything else he did with Barclay Goodrow, with Booch and all that stuff, was all when he was making his dumb, stupid mistakes. But on trades, outside of Booch, my man's been money. He's been good. Uh, I generally trust Chris Drury, and I think he's pretty solid at his job. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his, as you would say. I like his sad face when the Rangers lose, and they show him on TV. <laughs> um, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty confident in a lot of his work. I man, even the Goodrow stuff. I feel like people don't understand that. Like Goodrow was getting that contract. You could wish your GM was smart enough not to give it to him for sure. But people constantly say the Rangers overplayed Barkley Goodrow, and it's like I, they didn't. He was getting that deal, no matter what. He played on that magical third line in Tampa and won two straight cups. That man was getting paid. Blake Coleman got paid. Yeah, that's that. That's just Gord the NHL, man. Paid. Yeah, like. Goodrow was getting paid. You can wish your GM didn't pay him. And I, I mean, you and I, we, how many times do we have to have the, you try to sign the next Goodrow, not the current Goodrow conversation. BC. Yeah. Um, but like to call Goodrow an overpay, like I, it's not, I, I, I don't know how else to really say that without endorsing the deal itself. Um, I am confident Drury in season will not be fleeced in a deal let me put it that way like i, I saw it in yes. a good friend of the show john scott who once upon a time i think we had on was like he was on yeah i'd trade laughing a first for kane right now okay buddy <laughs> all right i yeah. have enough confidence in jury to not do that check is in the mail from chicago john uh th- <laughs> these next two questions and then we'll get to our interview real quick are are kind of i'm gonna i'm gonna intertwine them one's from glove and one's from Batchel 27 right. ben harper has proven he can keep up and not cost the team games. That alone is with with the, how thin this D corps is is reason enough to be happy a very cheap extension. That being said, what does it say about the team's confidence in Zach Jones and his ability to play in the NHL level at, at in his depth capacity? And then Glove also asks: Is Ben Harper actually the reason this team is eleven four and three since his debut? The answer is no on that one. And it does say a lot about Zach Jones, but they're still actually doing something that we with Zach Jones we wanted them to do, which is they're developing him. In Hartford, he's getting time to actually develop. That's great. He's doing great things. I think he's had points in 9 of 10 games, something like that, Jones. So he is playing well, and they're allowing him to develop on the fly. It's something we wish they would do with other players. So I'm going to give them a little credit to let him kind of get ready for the NHL because he just wasn't just yet. Yeah, two things can be true simultaneously. Um, And I, I think some people have gotten lost in the sauce 
on the Zach Jones front. Zach Jones, quite frankly, was not good enough when he was here playing for the Rangers earlier this year. I have a lot of issues with Gerard Gallant. I, I, I pick, I have a lot of bones to pick, and I'm not saying that Lieber Hayek and Ben Harper are better than Zach Jones, but I know that Zach Jones wasn't good enough. Um, and I don't, on a team that, one, was struggling to score earlier this year desperately, and two, a team that we expect to be quite good, you can't just let kids develop on the job. So the Rangers did right by Jones by saying, buddy, you're just not good enough now. We're going to send you to Hartford. You're going to cook. You're going to eat. You're going to get a shitload of ice time. And uh, we're going to get your game back on track. And when we feel you're ready, if we feel you're ready, we'll give you another shot. I think they're doing right by Jones in that respect. Um, Saying Ben Harper hasn't hurt the New York Rangers is kind of not watching the game itself. If I see that motherfucker uh, on the wrong end of a odd man rush because he tried to pinch and doesn't have the speed to catch up on his failed offensive zone performance, uh, it's... I th- believe I saw that with Harper on the ice, the Rangers goalie save percentage is above 935. So it's like one of those things where like his batting average on balls in play is ridiculously high and it's unsustainable. He's not a good defenseman. I, If you are watching these Ranger games and you're coming away with thinking like, huh, Ben Harper is fine. I do think we are watching dramatically different sporting events. He sucks. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't think he. I, I don't he think seems he like a fun guy, but he like him saying he thought his NHL career was over before the Rangers gave him this extension. I can see why he thought that. There are the stats hate him. Because he's, he's like, bad. He, like I, I, he absolutely I hate he's him. Fucking bad. Like sometimes. I'm going to defend him a little bit, just like the smallest amount. Okay. I hate there are a, there are a lot of times where he gets beat by very good players and other players. Like a lot of players would be beaten by those players as well. Sure. I don't think he's, I don't think he's the best, most optimal, sixty at all. Like even a little bit. Yeah, he's not good. He's statistically and analytically, one of the worst players in the league. But he's been a, a solid fit on this team so far, and that could turn at any moment. Has, any moment. But has he? Like I, I'm honestly. I want to give the guy the props. Like he's 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 done very well with Braden Schneider. Braden has Schneider he, has. No. Or is it just like he, I honestly I the love mental this develop for, the, the 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 development of Brady Schneider. Well, yeah, I, lo- I love this for actually. Schneider because he's getting fucking challenged every night. And guess what? He's that's what I'm saying. He's responding, like, and, and and he clearly has good communication with him, and like they've built something and a rapport together that Schneider has not had as a, as a with Jones or Lieber Hayek. That's well, I, I think that's just because Harper isn't coming out of the lineup. Like I. I I can't emphasize enough how just you get familiar with a guy if you're playing with him every night. And it's not to say he wouldn't have gotten that way with Jones or with Hayek, but I, just, I, I cannot help you if you watch Ben Harper and go, oh, yeah, this guy's pretty all right. Like, Final yeah. two questions, and then we got to go. Uh, this is from Avery Rules and Gray Red. Is Heedle our best forward and related? What's your top five most important Rangers now compared to preseason? I wouldn't say Heedle's our best forward, but he's in the best form to use a soccer he's terminology. Hot. Yeah, he's hot. He's hot right now. He's, he's hot. hot right now. That that, uh, that Phil Heedle, he's so hot right now. I don't think the top five has changed for the most important Rangers. No, compared. because if something happens to Heedle tomorrow, I'm still fairly confident the Rangers will be fine. Um, it's and again, it's push comes to shove. Igor, it's still, yeah, Igor, it's, like I did. We have Miller in the top five before. He's still not in the top five. You don't I, think he's I, not in your top five? I think Kreider's five still. I don't think so. Not he's really important. <laughs> I, I again, I he really I, is. Especially with Ben Harper in this lineup, I think more importance is on Keandre Miller being Keandre Miller 
in order, and especially with just to, do the, just, just to do the top five, because I, I think people would like to hear it. It's Igor, Adam Fox, or Tammy Panarin, Mika Zibanejad. You can interchange those two if you'd like, and then Chris Kreider. For me, I, I have Miller instead of Kreider. Same first four, but I, I just think with how Truba has played, with Ben Harper's existence, and with my inability to trust Ryan Lindgren staying healthy, I, I think if something happened to Keandre, the New York Rangers are capital F fucked. Let's do a tease. BSBOT this week. Let's rank the players, top to bottom. Oh, God. You're bottom to top. The whole, the whole right, team. Number 22, Ben Harper. <laughs> Let's start it's there. Just... So you guys know the top five and you know the last. We'll, we'll cover some, maybe some more of the rest of them on BSBOT this week. With that being said, let's transfer over and transition to our dear friend from the Buffalo News, our friend Lance. Transition. Hey, in today's episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by our official ticket sponsor and our good dear friends at TickPick. And I know this seems like we've talked about TickPick before in the past, and we have. That's because, and you're not going to believe this, there is no fees on any ticket on TickPick. Do you hate when you go to other ticket websites and you're searching for a New York Ranger game and you go, oh, these tickets are cheap in the blue seats? I'll pick these. And then you go to checkout and there's all these fees and all the prices changed, and all of a sudden you're paying like 20 to 25% more. You're like, can I even afford to see the Rangers blow this game? All of a sudden you're confused. But if you go to, if you use TickPick, there is no fees, and they have the best prices for Ranger games. So please check out TickPick. They're our official sponsor. We have a lot of friends that work there. We're good friends with them. And guess what? You can use promo code BLUESHIRTS, and it's good for $15 off any first-time purchase in the TickPick app. So that's promo code blue, blue Shirts. We use it all the time. It's super easy. Blue Shirts, the Rangers, you get it. Go to TickPick, download the app, get the best prices for Ranger games, and tell them we sent you. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Lance. You said it was Lysowski of yeah. Buffalo News. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Buffalo News. He's a beat writer for the Buffalo Sabres, a team we talked about a lot for an entire summer when Jack Eichel was a free agent. And by free agent, I mean had a broken neck and was going to get traded. And then uh, we put a billboard up there. Lance, I think, contacted Greg and wrote a story. Lance, yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. As long as, there, as long as you guys aren't paying for any more billboards in Buffalo and create more work for me, I'm great. No, I mean, we. I was big on whenever anybody from Buffalo reached out to me, they, I would always say, go Bills. And now I'm sorry, and I'm still, I'm still saying go Bills. But, not a not a Bills fan. I'm from Northeast Ohio, so I was cursed to grow up rooting for the Browns, and now this job has made me a fan of nobody. Um, and I've got, and even if I was still an NFL fan, I would have many reasons to no longer root for the uh, for the Cleveland Browns. You have every reason on the world. Uh, we brought you on today because the Buffalo Sabers, believe it or not, are very close to a playoff spot and have multiple. I don't know, blooming. I don't know what you want to call this here, but Tage Thompson is incredible. Multiple players just really stepping up in ways and developing in ways we kind of expected or didn't at the same time. What has happened over the past couple of weeks? The Sabres had a kind of rough start, and then Tage Thompson has exploded into an MVP conversation, of which he will, I'm sure, place, not win. Uh, but 
Where, where are the Sabres right now? And I guess, how's the fan base feeling? This is the product. It's the youngest team in the NHL. So a lot of what happened a lot, the first couple of months of the season was just it was the group being to understand how they needed to play, particularly at five on five when you're facing teams like you know, the top teams in the league, right? I mean, the, to win in the NHL, you have to know how to defend. You You have to know how to... You need to know how to adjust when teams are going to do whatever they can to deny your strengths. And for the Sabres, it's all about transition. It's it's controlled zone entries. It's all offense, 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 speed. And, uh, you know, we've seen it do, them do it to the, the New York Islanders, Winnipeg Jets, some of the best teams in the NHL, where finally they have learned that to beat these bigger, stronger teams that, you know, have some advantages over you in those ways – you just have, you know, you have to be, you have to have some patience, right? Like for the Sabres, now that they finally have a lot of these guys who, you know, prospects they were waiting to arrive now that they're in Buffalo, um, it's, it's, it's learning how to, to create offense, play to your strengths and really take what's given to you. And you saw that really, they got seven out of a possible eight points on this trip with games in Dallas, St. Louis, Winnipeg, and Minnesota, Goaltending has been a lot better this year as compared to previous seasons. Uko Pekalukunen's a prospect who's come up and has really stood. You know, he stood tall. He's shown that he um, that there's a reason why he was considered one of the top top prospects in the organization. Somebody they were really waiting to arrive. He's here and he's playing really well. So, and it really helps, guys. When you not only I know you mentioned Tate Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, they're having incredible seasons, but you know. Owen Power arrives as a 20-year-old defenseman. He's able to play extremely well every, you know, night in and night out, averaging 23 minutes a night and playing against top opponents and uh, having really a, an immense impact on what they're able to do offensively. The defense, you know, their their whole defense core has is so much stronger than it was a year ago. And you have you add in the arrivals of Quinn, Paterka, two rookies that are, you know, it's not showing in point production, but they're really coming into their own and starting to really be a threat and. Two guys that have to be, you know, opponents are, have to be honest when those guys are on the ice. And Dylan Cousins is the the two C that they've been looking for since Ryan O'Reilly left. And they got depth. They've got four lines that they trust, and they've got four lines that are actually scoring right now. And and a big two big pieces of that. I mean, you mentioned Jack Eichel off the top, or Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, both of whom arrived in that trade that sent Eichel out to Vegas. I guess this is a two part question for you, Lance. The first yep. part is I I think the obvious of what we're all feeling. It feels a year early, right? I, I, I think we were all, us included, uh, aware that there was legitimate hope, legitimate talent, legitimate – there was a dawn on the horizon with the Buffalo Sabres. It just didn't feel like it was going to – it felt like what we believed the Senators were going to do this year, what the Sabres are actually doing. So in your mind, is, is this a year early or is this right on time? It's a little early, and a big piece, a big part of that, of course, is Tage Thompson. Uh, when you're having like a Hart Trophy level first half of the season, just in terms of production, night in and night out, the consistency, that top line with Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner, what they're bringing, the consistency is there, right? Like this team is scoring at five on five, um, and Tage Thompson is a big piece of that. Dylan Cousins, his development, um, there. There were signs of it in the second half of last season, but he only had two goals after the All-Star break. Now the break, the breakout is very much real. Um, they're they're getting depth scoring. Victor Olsen's on like a 38-goal pace, a guy who has struggled at 5-on-5. Five five. You look at the Sabres, though, and um, sorry to go a little long-winded here, it's the, like they hired the right coach. Don Granado has done an amazing job. We haven't really heard all the whole coach of the year conversation at this point in the season, as we shouldn't. I don't like those, you know... 
trophy conversations happening so soon because so much can happen later on. But he's ha- he's having them play the style of hockey that fits perfectly with the way with the, the personnel that they have. Like he is taking advantage of the speed, the skill. They have so much of it throughout all four lines in different ways. But the Sabres took this, they started to really take that step late last season when Matias Samuelson was healthy in, in Buffalo. Um, and a lot of people sort of scratched their head at a guy like that getting a seven-year contract extension when he hadn't even scored a goal yet. But he allows Rasmus Dahlin to be Rasmus Dahlin. That is the key. That is what has really helped unlock Dahlin, that as well as Granado's system. And then Owen Power, right? Like, I know that, you know, he doesn't have the goals or the points, and when you look at analytics, the defensive stuff is, is what has led some naysayers to question whether this this kid should even be in in the conversation. But man, like night in and night out, what him, Samuelson, Henry Yokiharu, Rasmus Dahlin, they have really unlocked the way that Granado wants to play. You know, when you have defensemen that can break pressure and break the puck out and really start that transition game. That is what has made this such a dangerous offensive team. Now it's all about game management. How do you manage leads late, right? It's not about getting too high. It's not about getting too low. If you hit a rough stretch, they lost a really ugly game to the to the Flyers, sorry, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a pretty strong response after the fact, you know. And a year ago, a lot of those younger guys on the team, it, it could have spiraled a little bit. Whereas now they have the leadership. You know, their captain's Kyle Ocposo done a really nice job in, in establishing a culture where, I think that, you know, especially early this season, there, a lot of guys were tense. You know, there were expectations. They finished strong last year, and they thought that we have to really meet those expectations. And nobody, a lot of overthinking, a lot of worrying. And now it just seems like they know they can win in this league. Now it's about just doing it on a consistent basis. There's just a lot of, I guess, a lot of faith. And it's amazing what they've done behind the scenes there. I can't even state it enough, what the culture, you know, you as media members, we don't get to see everything, but you walk in that locker room and you do get to see sort of snapshots into what's going on uh, in the locker room, you know, relationships between players. And it's night and day now compared to where it was before the pandemic, you know, when they had Ralph Kruger as head coach. And of course, their leadership group was led by Jack Eichel. And then sorry. the second, the, sorry, right. The second part of that question, Lance, it's something Ryan and I talk about a lot on the show. And it's a general frustration about how good <laughs> the Eastern Conference is. So if the Sabres are a year early, you're currently with three games in hand ahead of the Islanders and the Panthers, and with three games in hand, only two points back of the Capitals for a wildcard spot. Is this a situation where no matter what happens, it's this year is a positive for the Buffalo Sabres? Or is there going to be some general disappointment if you don't cross that rainbow road and get into the playoffs, I think there's going to be general disappointment. Just be, and it's it's it is unfair, I, I think, because there. If you're realistic, you you look at this through the lens of it is a little earlier than expected. There's no question about it, but this current group isn't responsible for the 11 year playoff drought. That's why like that is why there is you go back to 2018, 19. I don't know if you guys remember, but the Sabres won 10 games in a row in November. And quite a few of those were by, you know, overtime or shootout there, there was going to be regression. Like the writing was on the wall, but there was such a pressure from the outside that this group needs to win now, now, now. And I think not only ownership came to that, but management did as well. I think now, with Kevin Adams as general manager, he's got a very deep prospect pipeline. 
yes, there's cap space, but they're going to have a lot of guys to pay. You're going to see more patience there. Where I do think that they are, they're being aggressive in terms of reaching out. You know, they called about Timo Meyer, they called about Jacob Chikrin, but you're not going to see them deplenish organizational depth to go ahead and trade for a player like that, especially when you know a guy like Meyer, for example, is going to need that long-term extension. The Sabers aren't going to be really, a, really, it'd be irresponsible to pay somebody like that nine million dollars a year, no matter how good they are, because you know that. You know, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power combined might be making over $20 million a year a couple of years from now. You just have to plan for those sort of things and injuries, you know, regression in terms of development. There are a lot of, I guess, mistakes in the past that I think Kevin Adams has really learned from and kept an eye on. And, you know, they're going to make the right move if it doesn't deplenish that depth. Uh, and they've got a lot of pieces they can move if they want to. The big question is what. What are their needs going to be? I think that they're going to have to see what what injuries happen, and you know, hey, you just never know what a player is going to end up really causing compared to what the ask is, and you know, whether it be November or even January, right? Like, who knows what's going to happen five weeks from now? But I think that Bo Horvat trade is going to, man, that sets the market. I don't know who's going to be really willing to pay those kind of prices, right? I don't. Well, first of all, does it set the market? Like, the Lou read an email in a chain, the GMs. <laughs> like, it was. <laughs> Well, from the outside, it looks wildly irresponsible and reactionary. I think that um, even with Bo Horvath, that team's not making the playoffs, but I'm not around it every day. Right? I just, you're, you're, I, I don't see it. I you're don't. not around it every day, and you like like Gregory just so politely pointed out, the Buffalo Sabres, and by the way, the East is entirely hell top to bottom, yeah. have three games in hand on the Islanders. It's, I'm not sure Bo Horvath changes all that. And even, by the way, there's no announced extension just yet. I'm sure they're possibly working on it. If they do have one, he's almost 30 now. And the the pick rolls over if it doesn't hit this year, so it becomes unprotected in 2024, which is exactly what Vancouver is rooting for. Like they, you have to imagine that's what they wanted to happen. They're like, yeah. cool, <laughs> I, great. I, I cannot believe the Canucks got that much in return. I know that Bovelia is, of course, a winger. They're paying their wingers a lot of money. We look at that JT Miller extension, which completely still blows my mind to this day that they did it. Um, us too, but, by the way, and he was linked to the Rangers f- falsely for months. Oh, of course. And you look at the good teams in this league and the bad teams in this league or the teams that are sort so, sort of in the middle. I'm going to put the Islanders there right now, which they shouldn't be if they had made some smart moves in previous seasons. Don't be reactionary, you know, know who to pay and who to get rid of. Like Vancouver fall in love with the idea that we're going to build around JT Miller when I think everybody on the outside saw that that is the wrong decision to make. And like, it's the same thing with some of the guys that Lou paid for the Islanders. They had a really good thing going on. We saw the damage they did in the playoffs. They were building towards something. They just, they just traded one of the big pieces from that group. And I know they need a guy who can give you that easy goal to sort of just loosen things up and allow you to play that defensive game they like, but to give up what they just did, man, like I just, there's just a lot of GMs in the league. I think that are probably sitting, sitting right now and laughing and thinking, wow, I cannot believe that they just did that. Yeah. It's it's one thing if you want to trade for JG Padjo to make a big playoff push when the Islanders were at their peak, it's another to give that guy, what five years, 6 million annual extension on the I like him. for him. It's some of the other ones, like like Paul Mary, right? Like that's not a guy I was I was paying. Like that's not a guy I'm extending. I like Pajot, but I think that 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 team has an identity crisis, and I think there's a lot of teams. Like there's there's a, a couple of teams around the league guys that that might be sort of in the hunt right now that still don't really have a good sense of where they're going. Not only in the short term, but long term. And the Islanders, one of those that they. It's just been puzzling, you know, for the last couple of years. And I'm sure Barry Trotz is happy right now that he got out of there. 
I have a quick culture question, if you don't mind. So I Allmark, love culture questions. Oh, Allmark left two years ago, um, and obviously he's having an insanely good year for the Bruins. Do you think that was part of the changing the culture, like let's get all the guys out of here and build something different? Or was it just like at the time they were like the talent's really not there for us? You look back, and I know that when it comes to the Sabres, and you look at an 11-year playoff drought, and it is very fascinating. And everybody from the outside, including the fans, hey, try to study it and say what went wrong. And it's easy to point to one specific thing, whether it be ownership, the general manager, the coach, what it may be. Lance, ownership was a disaster for <laughs> well, like a while there. Well, <laughs> and I will, and their impatience is a big part of this, absolutely. But it also goes to Tim Murray going ahead and trading for, you think about when you have young, impressionable players who are coming to the league and need to learn leadership Evander Kane is not the person you want to surround them with guys I think we've learned that at this point and not only him there's been there were a few other players in that room I'm not going to name name too many names where you're setting the wrong example and you're trying to build leaders and when you're a head coach and not only are you worrying about the on ice you're worrying about the off ice right and you don't know who to really turn to in your room to really set the example for everybody and you got somebody who's making 10 million dollars a year who's 21 years old, you rush to put the C on his chest, you put all this pressure in the world on him, he's not surrounded with the, the, the kind of pieces that he needs, and it all kind of falls by the wayside, right? I think that not only is it getting rid of a lot of the guys who came from the past, I think it's it's the types of players. They kept Kyle Lockposo and Zemis Gergensons because there was a really great... I think that Kevin Adams, when he took over the general manager job, you, you think about... Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, those guys go into that room, and that season was a disaster during COVID, but Kevin Adams was very he, – he kept an office right down by the locker room, so he had a day-to-day uh, feel about what's going on behind closed doors. He played with Eric Stahl in Carolina. I can't imagine how many conversations those two had, not only during the season, but even after Stahl left, like, hey, what were your thoughts? What are the sort of players I need to move, like – you know, what's it going to take to really write this culture? When it comes to Linus Allmark, that is a, a good question. It continues to come up somewhat. I give their coaching staff, specifically their goalie coach, credit for changing his technique to the point where it didn't, he wasn't suffering the injuries that really plagued him in, Buff, in, in Buffalo. But also, I think it's maturity on Linus's part. He had some growing up to do. I think a change of scenery really brought out the best in him. He was a guy that in, in 2018 19, they tried to give this starting job to. They really were pushing it. Linus, take this job. You know, they kept giving him starts, even though he wasn't necessarily earning it with the performance on the ice. And he just didn't have that. That mentality to be the guy at that point in his career, he just figured it out later than than some do. Um, sort of started late in his tenure in Buffalo, but in the end, I think the the Bruins threw him a he- a, a contract that nobody was expecting. Right? You look at nobody else in the league was willing to pay that. Based on the conversations I had, people were stunned, and it's worked out. Sometimes you know you, you rely on your pro scouting, the behind the scenes, and. You know, pro scouting, analytics, um, even your your positional coaches, and it works out. But I do think you're right. Like, you look at Zach Bogosian, you know, Jake McCabe, you know, Brandon Montour. There are a lot of – there were some good players on the team, Sam Reinhardt included, where it was just time for a change of scenery. But how you move those guys out, the pieces that you bring in in exchange for them has really helped the Sabres kind of speed this up a little bit for, you know, quicker than, than some of maybe have expected. Lance, is one of the indirect best things that ever happened to Buffalo sports, Jessica Pagula becoming a top 10 tennis player, and it distracts her parents from getting heavily involved with the teams? <laughs> I think that you... <laughs> 
credit to her, man. I can't believe that that somebody even from this area where they're like it's ten. I, I know they live in Florida too, but still, like yeah, you well, need to be she a billionaire. Was like, but I, be, I, she was the two so, seed in the Australian Open, wasn't she? Was like, she's yeah, like, and and, and to overcome the injuries that she's had, I like I know people try to take credit away from her because she got like, of course, like there are certain advantages that come with having parents as billionaires. We all seen this. Well, I've seen the show Succession. I've seen the the ridiculous stuff that the billionaires have the advantage to. But no, when it comes to you look at the bills, they hired Brandon Bean and credit to him. He stuck his hand out and said, you're going to stay this far away and I am going to control this and you are going to trust me. And I don't necessarily blame some of the lack of trust that the Pagouls had. You know, they had Russ Brandon, who was the president of both teams. And there were a lot of things going on where people were taking advantage of the situation and, and spending recklessly, doing things the wrong way. And I think that that paranoia really leaked into how the day to day was actually being run with both teams. And I don't you know there were there was an argument to keep Jason Botterill as general manager. Right. Like, I don't. I think he was doing a nice job with drafting. He had a great scouting staff at that point. He missed on some some trades that cost them in in certain ways, but fire you know bringing in Kevin Adams, somebody who already had a relationship with the Pagulas, who they trusted, they trusted immensely to do the job the right way, and they gave him they gave Kevin Adams space, and I think that's the big key here when it comes to the Sabers. Like Kevin Adams is somebody who worked for them over at Lecom Harbor Center, which is the the practice facility right next to the arena downtown here. Former player, of course, won the Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes, had built a really strong relationship with Terry Pagula to where they had talked hockey a lot over the years, and he knew that like Kevin's going. I can trust Kevin to do this this the right way. And I think that Kevin really earned even more trust by during that pandemic season, in other ways, cutting costs where Terry Pagula wanted costs cut. Whereas Jason Botterill was saying, I'm going to keep doing things the way I'm doing. And I'm not, I'm not straying from that plan. You know, it's weird. Like there, you could, you could write a novel or a book about, about the way that this, this whole thing has gone here. Dude, we could write a novel about just Eichel's summer. It's been a, it's been a myriad of things. And like, and and they're not where they're at if Kevin Adams doesn't, that trade's a very good example. Like, without even being experienced, the patience he showed there and to still get what he got for Eichel under those circumstances, I think it's like, even if Jack does figure it out in Vegas and Vegas turns it around, which I don't see happening anytime soon just based on their cap situation and lack of depth, it's still going to go down as a very impressive trade by a general manager who when he took over, had zero experience in hockey ops and like in an NHL setting. Like it, it is, it is really impressive what he was able to get under those circumstances. Because we didn't, we didn't know, right? We heard talk for months on what the trade return was. I read one particular columnist of the New York Post who kept saying that this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy in the Rangers is untouchable. <laughs> And in the end, they, they, ended up getting, they, were they ended up getting quite a bit. It, they were touchable. It was just we we had heard, at least on our end, uh, whatever sources we have, you, you take your two cents. It was that the trade was mostly done. At least Drury on our side thought the trade was mostly done, which, which is one of the reasons he traded Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues for peanuts. I can thinking, see that, yeah. Thinking he had Eichel. And then at the last minute, and I'm sure, I'm sure you saw this reported as well. The Pagulas came in and were like, there's no chance we're trading them to the Rangers. <laughs> yeah. There's no chance. They did not want to have to see Eichel over that often during the regular season. I, I don't blame them necessarily. And in the end, I mean, I don't know what the trade package would have been from the, from the Rangers. I just think the one that they got from Vegas, particularly the inclusion of Alex Tuck, is what has made this, re, this we'll call it a rebuild. It's like the seventh in the last 11 years. 
this version of it has gone a lot faster because Alex Tuck, guys, he has been unreal this year. And he was good last season, but he's taken his game to an even different level. And to get a guy like that, a big power, a big power forward with that speed, who works perfectly with Tage Thompson, it's yeah, I, that is one of the key reasons why this is ahead of schedule. Real quick, uh, we did have the freight package pretty uh, sure up. Ooh, I want to hear about it, by the way. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can run it. Yeah, it was Phil Apetal, who's having quite the year for the Raiders yeah. right now. Uh, Niels Lundqvist, who's now a Dallas star. A two first-round picks, and I believe Ryan Strom or another player was involved in this trade. I think Ooh, it, was, okay. it, was, it was Strom to make the financials work. I this is yeah. correct. Well, hey, if that if that would have gone through, still would have been a pretty good one because you're right. Oh yeah, that's, that's good, listen, Heedle's our a, best player right now. <laughs> yeah, as a Rangers fan, are you are you? Well, I guess it would be easy for me to ask you. Are you happy that it didn't go through? No, I mean I would love Jack Eichel. Just my two cents, but uh, and I know who he is and how he's been in Vegas. But Philip Heedle is quite good, but Jack Eichel is another level. Yeah, and I, and I know, like I I know people are like it's not going well for Jack right now. But look at look at that lineup, guys. That is not what they intended that lineup to look like when they got Jack Eichel. But no, I think GM if Jack well. was playing with Pernarin, he'd be pretty okay. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I know that Sabres fans are having just a blast watching this all go down. But I, yeah. I, I'd be that, thrilled if I was them. But that that's what we heard, at least on our side, was was the deal. Which is exactly why that day, and we had heard all the whispers, he traded Bucinavich for nothing. And I'm sure you guys wish that you still had that player. Oof. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yes. We have no right wings except for Cabo Caco. So yeah. I would be, if I'm a GM right now, I'm calling the Blues to try to rip him away from them. So the real story with that is Drury called uh, the St. Louis uh, Armstrong. He called the GM. Yeah. And he was like, hey, listen, I got to move Booch. Uh, would you do it for Blay in a second? And the guy like hung up and like looked at his staff and was like, um, I think I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that ex- and that accepted the trade and then then Butchnevich was like I-, I need a new contract he was like well you know it seems like your team really wanted to give you away how about four years 5.5 and Butchnevich was like oh, I guess and-, and then he was like a 100 point player it's like great awesome well yeah if he's, if he's a the, player if we're on the topic of the blues I think it brings up an interesting point that I, it's worth touching on I'm a firm believer that you can only call a trade a win or a loss the day the trade is made. Like you have to, you have to infer everything that's going to happen in the moment because it's just not fair to really sit, sit around and say, Oh, well they knew this player was going to get X, but if there's any trade that challenges me on this opinion, it has to be the Ryan O'Reilly deal where in the moment it felt like the entire national hockey league and their fans were taking a dump on the Buffalo Sabres for that trade. More than just that day. It took a few. Yeah. It was a few years. It, yeah. it, and then all of a sudden, Tage Thompson becomes the second coming of Connor McDavid. And now we have to think of this trade in a different in a different aspect. I still think in the moment the trade is made, you have a good idea of what the assets are supposed to be, what they can be. And you should be able to say this trade is good or they should have gotten more. Or they shouldn't have gotten as much. However, if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, like, yeah, you had to have the patience of a goddamn saint, but here we are with Tage Thompson. Yeah, I understand that. You make a really good point, but as the league is evolving, right, and you're seeing more teams, like, actively tanking, it's absurd, and I can't believe Gary Bettman is suggesting otherwise. Where, Come on, dude. Uh, where you're, where, where you're, where you're getting Where you're getting these trades where, so, like, a lot of the assets are going to be years from now. And, like, and there are some very unusual circumstances when it comes to that specific deal in, in terms of, like, all of the, God, 
you look at the fire, like the coach firings, the GM firings, like Tate Thompson being misused. Like he started the he started the year the COVID season on the first line with Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall, and Kruger, Kruger gave him two games, and then sent him to the taxi squad. Like, like this development is just mishandled by so many organizations to where like we don't really get a clear picture of these trades like ever, or like you know it takes a couple of years, right? Where like you're, it's you're just, talking to us about development. Well, there you go. I was going to bring that up to you guys. We could go on for a few hours with that coach, but um. Yeah, it, it's Tate Thompson's development story. I know that it is so, like, he became a center in training camp last year. Even his own teammates thought it was, like, improbable that he'd be able to figure it out. Like, who steps, who just starts playing center in the league at 24 years old and then just, you know, and hadn't played it for several years and then, up oh, light just turns on. But it did, like... I think to a credit to him, like it's it's physical maturation. Like he, he when he showed up, he was real. Like he was skinny, guys. Like he was getting pushed off the puck. Like when you're when you're, when you're six foot six and you really can't use that to your advantage, you're you know it. You're gonna have a difficult time. Plus, he missed like almost an entire year because of a shoulder injury. But yeah, like I understand. And plus, like when you get Vladimir Saboka and Patrick Berglund as part of that trade package, and neither of them help you do anything, like that's a miss. Like that. That that falls on some pro scouting. That that falls on like how did you think that acquiring either of those two guys to be your second line center was a good idea? Because that's what the intention was for Patrick Bergman to be their second line center until Casey Middlestad was ready, and it yeah it blew up in their faces. And of course, well, now Bergman wasn't even there for two months. Now it's officially a win-win for both cities. Yeah, Blues. hey, you won a Stanley Cup, right? Like I understand. Like, Blues Blues fans are are. are pretty bitter about it it seems and even some of their own media are kind of you know tired of hearing about you want a cup dude you want a cup and like ryan o'reilly like if they're like the blues need to trade him they need to trade him it's time it's time to build around guys like robert time but not just that like look at what bo horvat just got that as a as a a soon-to-be free agent like come on if if you're gonna hold on even if you yeah, even if you get a fraction of that, which I'm sure they will, just based on the age of the player, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of wear on those tires because of the type of game O'Reilly plays. But and he needs a new change of scenery. Scenery. I wouldn't have made him captain. I think he's best when he's insulated with a lot of great leadership. Like he walks into that room, they have Alex Petrangelo. They had so many great guys in that room in St. Louis that that really brought O'Reilly in and allowed. And you know, I think it really helped him grow as a leader as well because he was an excellent player for Buffalo. But it was time for a change. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we've covered most of it. Do you have any questions for us about the Rangers? We could help you with. Man. So, what do you guys think about Gallant? We're out. <laughs> we're so <laughs> out, dude. <laughs> we, we're so out. Well, it's the, it was the problem in Vegas, right? Because I think that so much of what the Golden Knights needed to do was actually draft and develop instead of trading whoever they brought in. Oh my but god! But you couldn't dude. with that coach because he's so impatient. And DeBoer's the same way, guys. Like he's very quick to scratch to scratch a young player, take ice time away. And I think that's the problem with some with so many organizations around the league is they don't understand that. Sure, you need like these old school coaches can help you on the interim. But you need to develop. You need guys to really contribute to your roster on entry level contracts. Like Lafreniere, like he should be helping you right now. Like you need those guys to give you important minutes. You can't just keep trading prospects to keep getting expensive, pricey players. And it's, I know as an older coach, it's probably like, well, I don't really want to, I don't have the patience. Like I want to win now. I don't want to worry about development. But it's so short sighted. And I, I just completely disagree with it. And the teams that are figuring that out, where you need to to work with young players, like Rod Brindamore is a really great example of what he's done with, with you know, Martin Eckes or, or Seth Jarvis to where like you, you got to bring them into the group and really 
integrate development with winning now because it is possible if you're if you have the right mindset, you have the right touch and the the right you know the right vision for how to go about it. Couldn't agree more. And you'll see with Gallant. I mean, he literally sits craps off like seven of ten games and he hates the kid. First round draft pick. I understand like he gets pushed off the puck a little easy, but there's no patience at all. Yeah, and Lafreniere just doesn't get the time. Like the kids get no power play time. He's he's fiercely loyal to Vincent Trocheck, who they paid a lot of money for this offseason, who has not performed uh the way I think a lot of the players expected him to. And not that he's a bad player, it just hasn't fit in just well at all. Yeah, so um, we can go on and on, man. It's a shame. Well, it's a shame because, like, like if you bring those guys along, you develop them throughout the season. That is a cup. That's a cup winning roster, in my opinion. If you build it the right way, because we don't, know you would only need to do <laughs> subtle tweaks to the deadline. You don't need to go out and pay a ton for guys like you know. I'm sure the fans are going to keep pushing for for Meyer or whoever else, but I don't even think it's necessary with some of the talent they got in that team. Agreed. We just need the do we did last year, bring in a couple of fourth round, uh, fourth rounder trade. It's where we get like a Frank Vetrano type and some right winger and a D, D depth because Bo, uh, you know, our we play nobody at. Uh, I've said Bo Horvat, but Ben Harper is our 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 three LD. So it's pretty rough. It's yeah, pretty rough I get it. You got that goalie. You got that goalie though, and there's so good. many great pieces. I'm very serious. That's a that's one of the more interesting teams in the league, in my opinion. Or what's going to happen next? The talent on paper is undeniable. It's really just the culture around the team. So yeah. Lance, I cannot thank you enough for hey, taking the time to explain Buffalo to us. Hey, anytime, guys. Always happy to join you. I'm sure your Lance, listeners aren't, aren't aren't eager to t- listen to Sabres talk, but I'm here. Lance, Lance uh, did I ever it's tell you that you are at least 17% the reason why I no longer work in news? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Uh, the, the interview I did with you, my bosses found out about it, and they gave me a choice where I could either continue doing the podcast or – give them full control of the podcast. And I said, I would like to just not have you involved in my podcast. And like, you understand you won't work here anymore if you do that. And I was like, no, I do. So I'll see you later. And uh, I, I, the the billboard and the articles therein about said billboard are why I no longer work in news. Do I owe you an apology or are you happier now? Uh, well, that's a loaded Lo- question. Super, <laughs> incredibly loaded question. Um, Come on, yeah, Dave, tell me. Are you happy? Uh, well, uh, you don't owe me an apology. Let's just put it that way. It was, All right, that's good. It goes down as one of the just most ridiculous moments of my life but yeah no it, we've uh, all dealt with I stuff I, like that I, man I, yeah i'm now thinking about it i don't think you and i ever had that conversation after the fact we didn't no you should have let me know i don't know <laughs> if i i don't know what my reaction would have been but I'm I, glad I, think that... I think it's better we got it on the podcast okay well i'm glad that you're stuck good with for content it. all right good for content Lance, well, before you go, where can people follow you? Okay, guys. Thank you very much for having me on Twitter, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I. And if you want to read about the Buffalo Sabres, Buffalo News, all right? Online in print. Sick. Um, yeah. I'll be – hey, you guys going to – I'm going to be in the city for Sabres Rangers later in the year if you guys are able to make it out to the game. Depends on what day it is, but there's a chance. I can't remember what day it is. Who I live cares? By, we'll I live by out. the week at this point. <laughs> we all do, buddy. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you soon. Of course. Thanks, guys. All right, it's the end of the show. 7.43 on a Monday night, cooking a salmon dinner. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, at the end of the half, I don't know why I'm bragging about cooking a salmon dinner. It's from HelloFresh, a former sponsor of the show. Did not pay for that ad drop, by the way. Don't do that without using code BLUESHIRTS. It doesn't even work anymore. Can't put it in. Not an ad. Just a user. Okay. 
just a user something bad to say on a podcast, I think. All right, without further ado, I want to thank the NHL Insider Club members, Offer Sheet Club, blah, 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 Patreon supporters that make this show possible every single week. Somehow, and I cannot believe this, there are more and more names every single week on this list I have to read. It's amazing, and I cannot believe you guys support us. We've gotten some good scoops in the past. We have some great fun in the chat, and it really keeps this podcast going. But uh, I do mess up these names, and I'm absolutely terrible at reading them. So here we go. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartula, Adam Linder, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gartner, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Greta. Man, that was bad. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel. Brendan Lackos, Brendan Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, C.J. Stellar, and Connor P. Damage, Daniel Dezen, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a cup, Garrett Gretzik McFly, Harrison Haskell, Hippie Pity 9, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jean Jacques Francoise, Jean Jean, Jamie Mack, Jean Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Le- Lazik Gronowski, Leszek Gronowski, Libor's Kayak, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Buckle, Mike Mancuso, nailed it, Nate Hanafi, Neil, Neil Grauer, Nicholas DiDicola, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodra, PJ Sisparo, Pro World Takes Gamer, Randy Tester, Ryan still hasn't watched Miracle, Stig Bullbach, from also Norway, uh, Swingard, Tommy Welsh, Tommy Seclera, Tom Rich Jr., Tori, uh, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Tristan Wells, Upstate Vin, Vinny Hay, Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you all so much for listening. And all our other Patreons in France, it's good to have Greg back. We are back on uh, a, I guess, talking about the Rangers because they just took a 10-day break. 10 days without hockey in the middle of the season seems cruel. I hope the NHL All-Star Game provides me with one piece of content to look forward to. And, of course, uh, maybe some trades. Maybe this will be the first domino. So we'll be back with some rankings with BSBOT on Wednesday night, something like that. Yeah, stay tuned, and we'll see you guys then. Love you guys.